You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. Morning again. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Awesome. So, hey, good to, good to be in church. Good to be in church with you guys, and it's already been a wonderful morning. And we have been in a series the last two weeks called Cultivating Community. If you are new, if you're visiting, or if you're thinking about wanting to be deeply a part of this church, not just a part of it, but the church with us, I'd encourage you to go back and have a listen to the last two weeks. Today will be a lot of information. Um, It's not so much the scriptures, the heart. It is still the heart, but it'll be a lot. We're going to finish. We're going to get practical. That's the best way I could say it over the last two weeks. So if you are new visiting today and you're like, gee, that was not what I expected, love you to go back and listen to the journey we've been on the last three weeks about our heart for this church, what we're trying to do, what God's always been doing, and how you can commit and not just attend, but be the church with us here in Burley. Is that all right? Make sense? Awesome. We're cultivating community. And I feel like we have been making a garden. Um, we've, the first week we kind of um, ploughed the ground, dug up some stuff, some stuff that would get in the way of us being community, uh, like not forgiving each other, like holding on to grudges, like experiences before this church. And we said, God, take that stuff. That's why he died, right? To forgive us so we could forgive others. So we could get on with the mission. It might take a lifetime, I get that. Some things can't just, but God wants to work in you. And so we plowed the ground. And last week we kind of spread the seeds talking about the church, what it's always been, Old Testament and New Testament, what it looks like. And it's a commitment to each other. We talked about being a commitment to a purpose. We talked about it's a commitment to celebrate. And then it's a commitment to God and each other. It's not a commitment to nine o'clock on a Sunday morning. That's great to be a part of it. It's a commitment to the person beside you. That's actually the call, a commitment to the mission together. And today I want to talk about how Burley Heads Church of Christ puts language around this. In a sense, I wanted to give some vision. And I struggle with that word vision. Um, Some of you may have not experienced other churches or other styles, but vision is this word that's thrown out in the church world. And it's kind of adopted, I believe, a corporate sense, like a CEO getting up and giving the vision for the company. And it's not bad, but it doesn't sit that comfortable with me because I don't believe that's entirely what vision means in the Bible. You might have seen this type of verse thrown up. Without a vision, the people perish. Or where there is no vision, the people perish. This type of language. We need vision. We need to know where we're going long into the future. And normally, the easiest way to present that are with these three things coming up now. A building, well, I'll say the other way they say it. They say building bums and bucks. Buildings, people on seats and dollars. That's normally how visions can come across sometimes. The, the, it feels like the CEO or the senior pastor gets up and says, we're going we're gonna to double the church building, we're going to put more seats in there, or we're going to raise this amount of money. Not evil, but I think vision in the Bible is far deeper than that. Of course, I'm not happy if we build a bigger building. Of course, I'm not unhappy if there's more generosity for mission. I'm not going to say no. And I'm certainly not unhappy if people start coming and it grows. That's not, we're not going to fight that. <laughs> but that's, I believe vision is something, and that's what I want to talk about this morning, the vision 
is, and I believe it, the, the, the secret of that verse, I mean, comes in its full verse, funny enough. We cut it off halfway through. Proverbs 29.18 says this, Where there is no vision, the people perish, but he who keepeth the law, happy is he. How's that? He who walks in the law. And it's not necessarily about the law. Different translations talk about he who walks in the way. He who walks in his footsteps. I love how we cut that off. (laughs) I don't love how we cut that off. It's actually about everyday life. Vision, having a godly vision. Yes, dream big. More than we can imagine, the Bible says. That's phenomenal. But you also have to wake up Monday morning and operate with God. And so I see it like this, a pair of glasses. I think I've got a picture up there, guys. I think, yes. I see vision, and I'm happy for you to debate me on this after, after church. I see vision as putting on a pair of glasses and then seeing the world like Jesus does. Walking with him. Seeing people at our work not as annoying or intolerable or frustrating or even great, but as people that deserve Christ's love and are desperate for him. Seeing each other as partners in this mission. Seeing the world through scripture, walking every day in his ways. Almost without vision, putting on your glasses each day and seeing the world like God does. And don't get me wrong, that can be, that can be big. Sometimes big means seeing that person, you think there's no way they'd ever meet Jesus and Jesus meeting them. Having more imagination because knowing that God sees them differently to you. So it kind of makes sense. So that's what I'm looking at today. What, what does it look like to walk in the vision of God, which we already know is to be this grand nation or this kingdom of priests or this kingdom that is being blessed and blessing others? He's already given us the big vision How do we put on our glasses each day as a church and operate within that, operate within his ways? And so through this series, I'll just get you to go two slides, guys, to my phone number. (laughs) Through this series, I've said, if you have, because we are the church, if you have a stirring about what Christian community, something that is said or through the scripture, or through even me, that you resonate with, or God reveals to you, you can text, email, or put it on a prayer card, and we'd love to collect the different things that people took from this cultivating godly community. Cultivating good and beautiful community. Feel free to text, and we'll, the board will get that list, and we might actually work out some brand new values for the future, based on how people have been stirred during this series. Putting on the lens. So how does Burley seek to walk in the vision that Christ has already given us? Well, we have a mission statement. Let me start with that. Our mission statement at the moment is following Jesus, transforming lives. It's basically be a disciple, make a disciple. Be a disciple, make a disciple. Except if you say that to anyone else outside of church, they have no idea what that means. In fact, a bit cheeky of me, but you ask a Christian and they'll nod, but then try, if you ever want to confuse a Christian or even a pastor, say, what is discipleship? 
Oh, well, we've got to make them. <laughs> I know that for sure. Well, how do you do that? Well, Jesus said to make them. In Matthew, it's, it's what are you got to do? How do you do that? So don't ask me that after, because it's a wide and big question. Basically, it's students. Be students of Jesus. We follow him and we make more. We transform lives. Our life changes and others change. That's our mission statement here, to put language into our community around how we do this. I want to even get more specific because of the mystery of discipleship. How does discipleship happen? Well, I love the thoughts of James Brian Smith who wrote this series called The Good and Beautiful God, Good and Beautiful Life, Good and Beautiful Community. He has this phenomenal picture that I really appreciate and want to share with you today. Again, did warn you, a bit practical this morning. And so if you want to take notes, if you want to think this through, this might take a few weeks for you to chew on and think through. But this is a, this drawing he drew, which I really appreciate. He calls it unintentional spiritual formation. How do we be a disciple and how are we actually, our lives, transformed? He says, and I, to- I agree, he says every one of us is a disciple. Not necessarily to Jesus, but every one of us is forming. Every one of us is transforming. Every one of us. And he says these three things will do it, is his theory on this. And I tend to lean to it being pretty accurate. The stories we believe. So if you're, let's take it outside the church for the start. If you grow up and you believe life isn't fair, if that's the story, if that's the glasses you put on every day, life isn't fair, then guess what you're going to see? Every moment of unfairness that happens that day. It's like when you buy a car and you think, I've got a very unique car. And then you drive out of wherever you bought that car and suddenly everyone owns that car. They don't. You're looking for it. You've put glasses, you've put glasses on. You have vision. Life isn't fair. Imagine telling yourself life isn't fair. Imagine your parent or a teacher when you're young saying, do you know what? Everyone hates you. Imagine getting that impression from friends at school when you're young and that's the narrative you're playing out. Imagine if you were told the only way to do well in life is through money. Imagine if that was your parents' imparting wisdom, the only thing they gave to you. That's the story. So you wake up each day, put on your glasses, I better make some money today because that's my worth. Fame, imagine you're told, unless you're known, you're not important. That's very much a cultural Gen Z thing. Unless they've seen, unless they've had their 15 minutes of fame, they're they're not somebody significant. Whether your narrative is, I'm not like them, I'm different, I'm strange. Maybe it's the opposite, I'm better than them. Maybe you wake up each day and put on your glasses and go, my goodness, I'm good. (laughs) Jeezy's glasses look good. I'm better than everyone I come across today. Christians, we've got to watch that one. We're not better than anyone, Jesus is. Um, And that's the only reason we've got any hope, is because he's awesome. And he can do some awesome stuff through us but it's all him. They are better than me. Um, Or maybe you're defined by what you build. You see in the Old Testament how much God had to work against when Israelites were saved in the Old Testament from the Pharaoh. All they knew is work, 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 work. They were slaves. It took a whole desert trip and they still didn't understand their worth wasn't in what they made. Their worth was in, it says in Leviticus 18, you are holy, why? Because you built the pyramids. No, it says you are holy because I'm holy. 
You're not defined by what you make. You're not defined by what you build. It's awesome. It's fun. It's fun to work in the garden. You're defined by God. You're not defined by what your family, what your friends think of you. The story plays out. It forms you. Am I right? That shapes you, what glasses you put on every day. Then habits is the other one. What you do, um, James Clear, a writer of Atomic Habits, a non-Christian, but I love his quote. He says, every decision you make is a vote towards who you're becoming. Every decision, everything you do, your habits form you. If you were to schedule your week, the things you do most will be forming you. It's not an accident. They're forming you. Again, some of this stuff isn't necessarily evil. Just understand it shifts you, it changes you, it makes you who you're becoming. And then community. They say you're the sum of the five, like the top five people you hang around. Now, I'm not saying cut yourself off from the world and only have Christian friends because how are they meant to know about Jesus? I'm saying the people, and we talked about this last week, the people that get to speak into your life, the people that you trust, make sure, even if it's a small table, make sure that they're Christian and they're following Jesus and then give them permission. Don't give the whole church permission to speak into every detail of your life. Give trusted Christian community a chance to say, hey, Steve, that's a bit wacky. Or, hey, Steve, that's a funny idea. Or, hey, Steve, I think you've, you're playing at that narrative. Um, yeah. Or, woof. <laughs> could be another thing we could say. This all works together to disciple everyone. And so, of course, he gives us Christians and says, hey, church, you have an alternative way to do that. And I want to show this, intentional spiritual. We actually get a choice. We're free. We're not defined by what we build, what we do, how much money we have, our status, what our family and friends said about us. We're defined by a whole different environment. And I love it's got Holy Spirit in there because we can... Without the Holy Spirit, this whole thing doesn't stick together. The, the glue, the power isn't there. If God wants to move in a university across the other side of the world and the Holy Spirit comes, there's nothing we can do out of our own effort. But we can be intentionally formed. Romans 12.2, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So he says, teaching, stories, come here. Here's some teachings. Here's some stories. Here's some testimony. Know that you are God's. Know your identity. Practice. I like it. doesn't say perform. It's not God, hey, look at me. Look how high I can jump, God. It's practice. It's not earning. He already loves you. You just, because he loves you, you want to practice these things. And then community. And then amongst that is Holy Spirit. I love that. So if you ask, hey, Steve, what's the vision for Burley Heads Church of Christ, when you say following Jesus, transforming lives, can you give me a picture? That's what we'd love to do. We'd love to be a discipleship-making factory. We'd love to be a place that tells you your identity, reminds you of who you are. We'd love to be a place that helps you practice habits. And we'd love to be community that encourages and spurs us on so that you become disciples that we see lives transformed, that we build something together good and beautiful. You get a choice. You will be discipled. 
whether you like it or not, you get a choice if it's going to be with us or it's going to be before Christ, more importantly. Putting on those glasses. Let me give you a bit of, bit of scripture around this because I've given you a bit of theory. That's nice. But let me show you the early church fathers actually agreeing completely with this idea. First Peter 2, 110. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Straight away, Peter's saying, get over yourselves. Start getting on with the mission. It's time to forgive. It's time to move on. It's time to get together. Don't spend the rest of your days infighting or debating. Or You can have disagreements and wrestle, but come on. Let's get on with it. I love that. Like newborn infants, he calls us babies if we're like that. Long for pure spiritual milk. By it, you may grow up into salvation. He's not talking you grow and get saved. He's talking about you grow up in your salvation. You are saved, but you grow. If indeed you have tasted that, that the Lord is good. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. We've been talking about building right through this series. Here he goes again. There's a, there's a cornerstone. You yourselves, like little stones, living stones, are built up as a spiritual house. Something's growing. To be a holy priesthood, that is exact language from the very first promise God gave to Moses around a household. That God is consistent. He's had the same vision. To be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious. And whoever believes in me will not be put to shame. So the honour is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. You can choose many other cornerstones in your life to form you to build your life upon. Or you can choose with us together, Jesus, and we'll have a real good crack at it, as Josh Ackerson preached that many years ago, a red-hot crack at being disciples of Jesus. We're going to need his help, a lot of it. A stone of stumbling, a rock of no offence. It continues. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But as you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, there's that language again. And yes, it is aimed at the, Jewish, the Jews at that time, but it's for us as well. It's expanded. Christ has come. A people for this who own possession, that you proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of the darkness into the marvelous light once you were not the people but now you are god's people once you had not received mercy but now you've received mercy what do we do with that well i want to flick a whole book over and i have a snapshot of second peter i encourage you if you're curious about this have a good read of first peter and second peter as a whole I'm not going to read them now, but let, this is Second Peter. Again, he gives us some instructions. So he talks about the household. He talks about being built. And then he says what you do with this. This divine power has granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who's called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises. So that through them you may become, favorite line in the Bible, partakers of the divine. Or divine nature, 
having escaped from the corruption that is the world because of your sinful desires. For this very reason, make every effort, again, not earn, but make an effort, because all he has done to supplement your faith with virtue, your virtue with knowledge, your knowledge with self-control, your self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. All at Lockie's shared today, it all ends and starts with love. This is not a sermon about doing things. This is a sermon about meeting around love and being transformed. For if these qualities are yours and they're increasing, they keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus. I don't want to get... This is for Christians. This is for those that know we're saved. God loves us. It's not works-based. But I don't want to get to heaven and go, of course, you're allowed in because there's nothing I did. But I would hate to look back and go, I was ineffective and unfruitful. Nothing short of just, what a waste. I spent it chasing a career or money in the bank or comfort and look back and God goes, yeah, you're in. I know how he's going to talk, but way better than I could articulate. But uh, it's pretty unfruitful and just ineffective. <laughs> I don't mean that as a threat. Just mean don't miss out on all God wants to do for you and in you and with us. For these qualities are yours and they're increasing. They keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of Lord Jesus Christ. Whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted. That sounds like someone without glasses on. <laughs> no, God, give us vision for a transformation. And ultimately, love. Let us grow. Let us walk with you. Effort increase. Forever lacks his qualities are so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from the former sins. He's no longer being transformed. Therefore, brothers, by the world, brothers, be more diligent to confirm your calling. Know who you are. Know your story and election. For if you practice these qualities, practice not perform these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way there will be a richly provided for those the entrance into the eternal kingdom of your Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. So how do we, again, put all of that and put it into language for our church? Well, if you've been around for a while, you'll hear this. But if you haven't, this is our, how we've tried to encapsulate this into language here at this church. This is our vision statement. If we're following Jesus' transforming lives, we have this image, an ever-growing family table that seeks to gather around Christ and in his spirit, grow in his ways and live with and in his life-giving truth as we seek to see his kingdom come to Burley Heads and the southern Gold Coast. We might change that. That's not the wording. It's not a legalistic. We, we could change that, but we just there's a picture there. Uh, anyone watch the show Ted Lasso? Well, this, this analogy is going to go well then. <laughs> no, no, this is a picture from their Christmas special. And I'm not going to go on too much. Um, I love the show. It's such a feel-good, nice show about this coach, soccer coach. And anyway, this, the business manager um, of this coaching team has invited anyone that doesn't have a place to come over for Christmas. And because Ted Lasso's cultivated the culture of this soccer club to be way more family-orientated, this business manager expects no one to come. 
Because normally we have no one. But sure enough, on Christmas Eve, there's this knock on the door. And all these, because for, they're foreign players, they don't have homes, they all come in and they're bringing something. And you see in the morning, his son got a surfboard, the business manager, and there's a pool table. And they have to drag the surfboard over to fit people in. They have to drag the pool table over to eat on there. And I said to Mez, oh, I don't care if no one's watched Ted Lasso, I'm going to use that. <laughs> I love that. That's it. The family table, we go and we say, you should come and see, not Sunday. You come and see Sunday, but that's not all of it. You should come see what God's doing in my life. And we gather around and we tell stories. And you know what? We don't all fit. It's squishy and it's hot sometimes and the carpet's messy. Whatever. We use surfboards sometimes to put stuff on. It's so messy. Pool table, that's going to get scratched. And we just sit and we tell. Not eat physical food. Sometimes we do. We have barbecues every second week here. But we tell stories of what Christ has done. We remind ourselves. We sing praise and worship. We hear hopefully an encouraging and challenging message based on his word. We come, we celebrate. And then we go and then if we learn and grow, do you know what we do in our workplaces? We start gathering. Maybe it's in our surf clubs. Maybe it's in our homes. Maybe it's in our sports centres. Maybe it's in our work lunchrooms. But we gather people and we gather them around. Maybe not a service, but we start to share. There's ways to share. If we pray Christ, we share meals with them. We invite them into our homes. We gather, we grow, and then we go back out and do it again. Gather, grow, go. So there are postures as a church. We say here, you'll notice on our cards, we gather around Christ and in his story. We grow in habits and in that story and in community and then we go and we do it all again in, our, in those places, as priests in those places, as representations of Christ, through love, through generosity, through the sharing of the gospel. I just, I, I literally, for me, I could just show that image and that would be enough for me. Just that welcoming everyone in. Some of those people in there, they don't have, oh, it's a TV show, I know, it's not real. But there are people that are lonely there, don't have a place to share Christmas and they're allowed a seat at the table. So we have some other language I want to give you. I, again, I know that this is very practical, but want to give you some language we use here to try to help us put on those glasses. So th these three words we use a lot, and I want to explain them. So we seek to be a church following Jesus and seeing lives transformed. We're an ever-growing family table that seeks to gather around Christ and in his spirit, grow in his ways, and live within his life-giving truth and seek to see his kingdom come to Burley Heads and the Southern Gold Coast. And we do that by gathering growing together and then going and then doing it again. And we use three different things that we've tried to boil down. We use small tables, we call them large tables and missional communities. And I'm going to be real quick on these and I'm happy to talk more about it anytime you want. But there's large tables. What we found, there's a problem with this. We can't, especially if we keep growing, we can't share 
all get a chance to share with each other what's going on in our lives on a Sunday morning. We don't have that space. We even don't get to announce everyone's unless they're some big ones' birthdays on a Sunday morning. We'd love to, but seriously, it gets to a certain point, you just, we, one, we, there's a lot of people to remember, and two, that'll be half the service. We don't have small, intimate, trusted community right here. But what we can do in our large tables is we can celebrate the story. We can encourage each other. We can testify. We can praise. We can worship. We can encounter the Holy Spirit anywhere, but we can encounter it together. Assemble. But we do acknowledge that that intimate, trusted community has got to happen in small tables, we call them. And so we encourage you. This is the very first step today. If you're going to take one takeaway from this, I want us, I would love, not as a stat that I could brag about, but as a genuine way of transformation, I would love, if you're, if you're committed to this and you want to be a part of this church, I'd love you to seriously consider starting a small table. Two to 12, it can be bigger, that's fine, but it's a good balance. Two to 12, so it can be one-on-one, I'd probably suggest three is even better, but then up to 12, you start to think about if you're two small tables and meet regularly. It's all in that booklet, Cultivating Communities, all predictably around the gospel and encouraging and sharing. Does that make sense? You remember each other's birthdays. You celebrate each other. You know what's going on in each other's life. You cry together. You wrestle together. Not physically, or you can if you want, but it's not really what the group's about. Um, that's a good time to probably say, it's, unless it's really big, it's not mixed gen sexes. So, yeah, like the wrestling thing made me think of that. Um, unless it's really big, um, then you can start to have a couple of people. Families, let me say, you already have a small table. It's called your family. So I ask you to have another one, but don't forget about your first one. The family is a discipleship-making machine, and so take that first. Make sure you're doing that well and then think about adding another small table or add more people into your family. Me and Mez, when we say we're going to disciple someone, we like to have them over to see our messiness, to see the surfboard hanging there and pulling it over and someone to sit there, pool table, bring it over, to see the chaos, but see hopefully Jesus in that. So small tables, and then every now and then something sparks here and a group or something happens and it's a little bit more missional or it's got a united purpose. And we call that a missional community. The op shop is a missional community. It is not the only missional community of this church. It is a missional community where a group of people long before I was here decided to start connecting with the community that way and now there is a full-on community there that we are trying and does a lot of work in this trying to disciple them, not all Christians, and they go and they're missional. And so your small group might take on that form. I'd love that. We've got the Renew crew with us as a small table at the moment. We can talk more about that with them. And that, but they do a heap of things. They play basketball with each other out in the community. I actually see them, whether they want to be told this or not, they can talk to me about this. But they're, they're a missional community. They've got a heart to reach outwards. They gather, and then hopefully a fair few of them can come here and just celebrate with us. And we tell stories about what Renew's doing. We already have rad stories. Today, I'd just like to concentrate on the small tables because you're sitting in a large table and we can get to the missional communities, but I'd love us to start with that small tables. That's the one thing that's been coming out this whole series. 
committed to each other. It starts there. I invite you to participate. We say one more thing here. We gather, we grow, we go. And because we like alliteration, we give ourselves to it. You can just watch. You can attend this church. You are more than welcome. You're loved. You can just see what it's about first. That's fine. But when you're ready, we invite you not to give yourself to attendance, but give yourself to this church, to this mission, God's mission, and participate with us in him. Not Steve Gray's mission, not the current trending mission, but the mission that's been running for thousands of years as God's been unfolding and cultivating and growing. And so I ask you, how are you going to give yourself to this mission afresh? And I invite you to consider, I know I'm going to bang on about this, but I think it's the best first step. It's a small table. What I mean by that, let's get as practical as I'm going to get today, and then I'm going to pray. You can write these three questions down. But I would love anyone that is currently in what they think is a small table, I'd love you to put it on this, register it, write it on here, put your names on there that are in there, or put the number of people that are in there, and then put on there if you're a participant or you'd like to lead or host because I'd love to do some training. Won't leave you by yourself. Whether it's two people meeting, one-on-one discipleship, or it's up to a certain... Yeah, I mean, if it's above 12, please put it on there. But my dream and my prayer is that God can captivate us and we could have like 80 or 90% of this church meeting during the week, monthly even, and encouraging each other. We would explode. Not because it's some fancy scheme but because we would just grow in depth and I'd love to have them accessible to people so they know what we're doing here and they can be invited into trusted community so you've got those you can text it if you're like I don't know a single person here but I'm, I'm on I'm on board then you've got my number text it or you can tick one of those boxes on this card but we want some small tables. And if you feel like you could lead one and you don't lead one, let me know. If you feel like you'd like to be trained up and suss out what leading a small table looks like, let me know. Just how awesome if we walked out today and 90% of us signed up to not a scheme, but participating and committing to a smaller group in this church. Can you imagine our Sundays? We would roar. Why? Because it wouldn't just be us, oh, that's right, God exists. I've got to remind myself. We would have been living it out all week and we'd come Sunday and we'd just tell stories. Might cut the sermon and just tell testimonies. So if you're, one last thing, if you are older and it's harder to meet, we do consider praise and prayer, just so you know. But write it down so we know that it is yours. We do consider praise and prayer, which goes every second and fourth. No, first and third, it's on today. Um, we consider that a small table. They meet afterwards. Because why do we consider a small table? Because you pray for each other. You're there for each other. You celebrate the birthdays together. You know each other by name. That's, in, that's so important. And so you can have another one, but know that that is, we consider that a small table as well. Does that make sense? Super practical today. But we needed to land it somewhere. 
And then lastly, this is my prayer. I'm going to ask the ladies to come up. All of this is really a little bit of strategy, a little bit of how does it actually look. I love the saying, um, marry the mission, date the method. What I would hate, the nightmare for me, is in 60 years, there's some people sitting here and they say, if we don't have small tables in this church, God can't work. Steve Gray, Pastor Steve Gray of 2023 said small tables. is No, 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 who cares about that? <laughs> I hope disciples have been made, this church still stands and a generation of that time is making their own names for things up as long as it's the same mission, amen? So today we're calling it small tables because it gives it form, it gives us something to commit to. They're allowed to call it whatever they want. Lockies or Lockies Youth Kids as they grow and they end up leading this church, they can give it another fancy name. They can have seven C's of alliteration, that's fine. But today we're asking you to give yourself to small tables, which is ultimately Jesus and transforming lives. Let me pray. And then we're just going to invite the most important thing to this, the Holy Spirit. Otherwise we can't forgive, we can't plough the ground, we can't grow the seeds and we can't commit to each other unless we have God. And so let me pray for the Holy Spirit to stir within us, encourage us, challenge us, and then we'll um, sing one more song. Father, let us not be captured by big dreams of having a big building. That'd be nice. Let us not be captured by having more resource or influence or power or fame. Let our hearts not be captured by anything that this world tangibly measures. But let us be captured by your ongoing mission and vision that has been shifting the world in all the right places since we stuffed it up. Thank you that you lived as a tangible personhood of that vision. The king priest that died for us, that was also the sacrifice. The perfect living example, Lord, of how it plays out. And you also brought us back to the big family table. Clever words, clever slogans, clever names. Put all that aside this morning. We just pray to be captivated by your vision. To put on the glasses and see the potential of this world. To pray earnestly for your kingdom come. For your kingdom to be in burly heads as it is in heaven. For your kingdom to be on the Gold Coast as it is in heaven. Give us the strength. Let us not grow weary. In Jesus' name, amen.